You assume the model-esque-looking woman to go home with the tall, dark, handsome guy. Like, looking from the outside, it's very difficult not to be superficial and just assume that the most good-looking people will go home with the most good-looking people. But in reality, it's very different. This is Not What You Think. I'm Sasha Rosen. We've got Emma Daniels in the studio with us today. Emma does something that, in a sense, is a little like radio. She organises these parties. And the thing with radio is you get two people who don't really know each other. They come into the studio and they try to make conversation as though they've been old friends. And this is more or less what you do at a speed dating party. This is the sort of thing that Emma runs for Dear Pluto, which started out as a stall in Hibernian House. Yeah, we used to run monthly vintage sales. So it's basically like a big garage sale in a warehouse, and we did it once a month. And then you guys moved from that to a shop? Yeah, in Surrey Hills, around the corner from Burke Street Bakery. It was an old coach house that we adapted into a shop warehouse space, which we also ran events out of on weekdays. So you were running the shop on weekends and you had all this extra space and you thought, why not fill it with stuff? Yeah, exactly. And I realised some of the things were Johnny Depp movies. Lots of Johnny Depp movies. (laughs) And the other thing that you guys started doing was running speed dating. Yeah, I was in a long distance relationship at the time and it was the next best thing to going on dates myself. Kind of live vicariously through 40 people in my shop having a lot more fun with singles than I was. They were customers, mostly. We used to do it by gold coin donation. I mean, I guess that's the way you start something. You're just kind of testing the market. You make it really cheap and accessible and just hope that people turn up. And we did get people turn up, but we got a whole lot more women than men. So we used to have like 10 guys and like 70 women. (laughs) (laughs) We'd have to gather them in the courtyard and just give them drinks and be like, okay, you guys just hang out and your time will come to date one of the 10 men. So you've got 10 men waiting in there and like the women are coming in shifts to have a turn to meet yep. these. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the, the way you talk about it, it sounds like, yeah, these guys are very lucky. They've got a lot of attention, but did they actually end up matching with people? I think it was a lot of pressure also because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many women and you're one of only 10 men. You know, some of the girls obviously would come in and be like, oh, well these guys aren't good enough for me, and then walk out again. (laughs) Yeah, so it was quite awful. Obviously, now we do it differently. Still sell out of women tickets in about three to four minutes, whilst men, it takes me two or three weeks to get them together. I don't know. Like, I have tried Tinder. I've done kind of real world going outs with people. I've never been to a speed dating party. What's it like? We usually cap ours at 40 people. So you'll go on 20 dates. And in terms of the way we run it, it's quite conventional. You get four minutes a person, go on 20 dates, have a match card, give them yeses or nos. And then at the end of the night, hand back the card. We send out your matches the next day. Most people have this view of speed dating parties being for over 40 really desperate women whose first question is, how many children do you want to have? Is that really a thing people ask at a speed dating party? I don't know. I think it's always had quite negative connotations, which is a shame because it's such a fun thing. Most of the people who come along to our dating parties are aged between 20 and 35. So I think that's a massive difference. What would a conversation be like at a speed dating night? At at our dating parties, at least. All I can talk about is our dating parties because that's all I've really experienced. People talk about a massive range of things. At my last dating party, there was one couple who just held hands for the whole four minutes. 
or... Oh, wow. Did they match? Yes, they did. <laughs> there was another couple who just talked about toasties for four minutes and the different kinds of cheeses and the best bread and how they like it. Do you think the better the conversation, the more likely people match? You assume so, because surely if you're stilted for conversation in four minutes, you're not going to want to see that person again. Four minutes isn't a particularly long time. No, we're trying to squeeze in this whole party in just like a five-minute little block of time here. Yeah. <laughs> we're having trouble just getting through a party where we don't need to talk about all the things we've been doing our entire lives. <laughs> Although I suppose for you, like a big chunk of your life for these parties. Yeah, absolutely. I've been running them for five years, so it's a long time. What sort of people go home with who at the end of these parties? It's never those that I would expect. And the person to get the most dates will very rarely be the one that I would expect. You assume the model-esque-looking woman to go home with the tall, dark, handsome guy. Like, looking from the outside, it's very difficult not to be superficial and just assume that the most good-looking people will go home with the most good-looking people. But in reality, it's very different. It's never the person that I would expect to get the most matches who does. It's often the person that I can't place a face to their name. And, you know, they were sitting in the corner with curly hair and a big nose and gets a million matches. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that they were very funny or just genuinely interested in the person or asked the right questions. But I think that's really interesting that It'll be that guy. Emma, you talk about, you know, people not judging people on their first date. Maybe they should take time to get to know people. This is like one of the reasons we have you on the show is you want, want people to know a bit more about that. How does that relate to, say, a first date of yours? Well, I've just started seeing someone. And this one night in particular, it was our first properly formal date. We'd hung out a few times previously, but this was the first time that we were riding our bicycles and going out for dinner. I was getting ready, and as I'm getting ready, I have this realization that it's a date. And not only do I have this realization that it's a date, but I also realize that I might actually really like this person. It's about 10 minutes before I'm supposed to meet him. I'm practically running out the door and I turn up late. I haven't even had time to process these facts, so I can't even string a sentence together. I'm just beside myself. I'm talking words and they're not coming out as words and I can't even understand myself, let alone properly interact. So... We ride across to Erskineville and I make us change drinking venues about five times because the atmosphere wasn't right or something. And then we have dinner at this awfully lit place and suddenly I'm like, maybe it's not a date because who takes a date to a restaurant with fluoro lighting? That's, that's friend territory. That's not date territory. Date territory is candlelit dinners. This was not that. Suddenly I'm thinking maybe this isn't a date and I'm having this inner freak out and meanwhile trying to ask him really sensible date questions about work and life and study and life goals and inside I'm just freaking out and I'm trying to look like I'm enjoying my food having just had my wisdom teeth out 
probably looking more like a dolphin trying to swallow whole fish, head tipped back and all, because I can't even chew. Did he tell you what his impression was at this point? No, no, he's just being very polite and acting like nothing at all is wrong. He probably thought my grandma had just died or something. But eventually we go to another place and it's much better lit, by which I mean really dark. And we have a few drinks and it's fine and great. But looking back on it, I just think, what if that had been our very first interaction? Or what if he'd been a slightly more judgmental person? That would have been his impression of me, this bumbling, clumsy person who is completely inarticulate. And that would have been a real shame because we potentially could have been missing out on something that could be really great. So I do think it's important not to judge people off that first date. It takes so long to get to know someone and think about how long it takes to make a really good friend. And when you're going on dates, not only are the stakes so much higher, but also you're so much more nervous. How can, <laughs> how can you judge a person on that? But not everyone is patient. A lot of the time it's like that. I mean, Mitch, for example just before we got Emma into the studio, installed Tinder on his phone for the first time. So I just had dinner with my friend Mitch, and he has literally installed Tinder earlier this evening, like two hours ago, and we're in the middle of this kind of slightly noisy shopping mall, which is the quietest spot we could find, and I'm just going to ask him all about that. What's your first impression of it? Mixed feelings. This is sort of unprecedented in terms of abundance. When I first started using it, I felt a lot more precious about selecting people than I do even now. Like the first person, I felt like I was killing them. I, you know, felt horrible. And the second person was still difficult, but progressively and progressively less difficult. And now I'm just a swiping fiend. I feel I've been very judgmental. It requires you to to be judgmental, but that's kind of interesting because you confront that judging process of your own, like, how am I doing this? It was interesting to hear that your way of using the app was quite different to mine. Yeah, like, I, I like to read what people have to say very, very clearly. Yeah, whereas I'm like, if someone's doing something completely unusual in their profile picture, I will read their thing because there's just so many people there see how it goes it's been two hours and i've been glued to it so i'm interested to see what the next couple of days is like hi zash just an update on my tindering as promised uh the next development has happened i got a match um since last night got a match and now it's gone from feeling like a computer game an addictive computer game to actually there's a real person there i haven't contacted them yet yeah it feels weird to contact this person now but i will i'll say hi i haven't said hi yet it probably doesn't feel as big a deal after there's more matches but the first one yeah it kind of feels it feels funny <laughs> I'll let you know how I go as things progress. Hey, Zash. Okay, so it's been about a week and a half, I guess. I've had Tinder now, and I think things have changed a lot. 
I was so upbeat and excited about it when I first tried it out. And how have I gone in a week and a half? Well, there's been about four or five matches, but only two of them actually spoke to me. And they were both bots trying to get me to go to porn sites. Yeah, um, not, not too impressed. Although I keep being reminded by yourself that I need to pick up my game, but I feel like, fuck game, you know. <laughs> On the flip side, it has been interesting. It forced me to think about what I'm looking for. What else is positive? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It would have been a lot more positive if I had a chance to meet someone cool and or a couple of cool people and go on some dates, actual dates, I don't know. I'm tentative at the moment. Let's see how I go. What do you think of Mitch's experience? Does that sound kind of normal to you? I think he did have a particularly bad experience. I mean, obviously everyone's experience of Tinder is different. Only speaking to bots, that sounds pretty horrible to me. What was your first impression when you first used the app? I was pretty overwhelmed. It did definitely seem exciting. I took quite a while to get onto it. I was probably on it about a year later than everybody else and only for a short space of time also. I suppose I also felt a little bit intimidated in terms of our dating parties. Once that came in, it felt like you could go on your phone and meet anybody in the city who was single at any time and just have them on call. And for me, that was like, okay, well, what's the point of real life interaction? But once I thought more about it, and it was actually a friend who talked me around on it, that it's so different having these online experiences as opposed to these real life experiences. Meeting 20 people on Tinder is not the same thing as meeting 20 people in person. Online dating is never going to be comparable to real life interaction. And some people aren't very good at selling themselves and some people aren't very aesthetically minded and some people don't like dating apps and some people just don't know how to take a good selfie and those people, if you meet them in real life, they might come across as everything that you want in a person but if you see them online, you might just bypass them. I think it's a very different environment and as much as people say that dating apps are no different to going to a bar and just seeing a person across the room, it is because we take in so much more even just seeing a person in a bar than we do when we see a photo of them. It might just even be the way they move or the way they smell. Tiny things, but things that you can't necessarily pick up online. I think expectation is the root of most disappointment and frustration when it comes to relationships. And I think our expectations are out of hand. In the Western world, we've come to expect our partners to be everything. We're looking for the ultimate commodity. A best friend, a trophy, a lover, a confidant. One person can't be all of those things. And our relationships are crushing under these expectations. We want someone who's stable but adventurous, reliable but impulsive, decisive but malleable, rich but generous. It just doesn't exist. We need to find these things in a range of people. We can't put all of our expectations on the one person. I do think it's a wonderful thing that we can hop on our phones now and have such varied opportunity. I think technology has really helped us 
open our minds to dating a larger range of people. And I think that's a really positive thing. So I don't, as much as I think that technology is affecting the way that we approach dating and relationships, I don't think it's necessarily all negative. I think we need to be aware of how it's affecting us, but not necessarily against the way it's affecting us. your critique of online dating apps is that people focus on the immediate rather than waiting around to see what happens next. One date and if it doesn't work, you're done. Yeah. Our generation in particular is really good at putting on a mask and it's really easy to judge a person at face value. I think it takes a lot of time and effort to really get to know somebody truly and that's a really difficult thing to do. Love for me has always come in the most unexpected of places. It's come from a woman when I thought I was straight or a man five years my junior when I was had just come out of a relationship with a man ten years my senior. I think you have to allow yourself to be surprised and when you do it can turn into really beautiful things. I think it's important to allow yourself to be open and I think the things that you end up loving about a person are quite often very odd and things that nobody else knows about them or nobody else can recognise in them. I had an ex-boyfriend and, I mean, obviously I loved a lot of things about him, but I really liked the distance between his eyes, which sounds really odd, but it's always the little things that get you going, I think. It sounds a bit like what I do when I'm having finally a good day at a gallery. Like normally I'll speed through and say, this is interesting, this is interesting. And then every now and again, you're like, I need to stop and look. And you stare at a painting for maybe 10 or 15 minutes and all these details leap out at you that you didn't expect. Yeah. Like I've seen a lot of Jackson Pollock paintings on the internet and it wasn't until I actually went overseas and saw one in real life and stood there and just let it absorb me that I really understood Because previously I was like, oh, blue poles, they all look the same. So it sounds like something you've learned through running years at these dating parties is you've got to give people a chance to sink in. Yeah, absolutely. Emma, thanks for coming on the show today. It's been awesome. Thank you. If you're interested in checking out Emma's dating parties, search for Dear Pluto on Facebook. She'll fill you in with all the right details. Book early, they tend to sell out. If you like this podcast, and if you think someone you know might like it, tell them they should check it out. There are links on our website at fbiradio.com slash notwhatyouthink. And there are a bunch of other great FBI podcasts at fbiradio.com slash podcasts. If you think there's something we should be talking about, and you know that's the point of the show, and we haven't heard of it, and that's kind of what we look for, is stuff we haven't heard of, please send us an idea. You can find details on our website, fbiradio.com slash notwhatyouthink. Not What You Think is produced by the awesome Samira Farah. It was created by Laura Briley, Claire Holland, and me. I'm Zasha Rosen. Keep listening for our next episode. If you like Not What You Think, FBI does all sorts of other podcasts, including All the Best with Pip. Hey, I'm Pip, and I host our storytelling show, All the Best, with Michael Bryden. We do docos, features, and fiction. Tune in to FBI Radio at 10.30am every Saturday, or at allthebestradio.com, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts.